Trudy Morgan Cole, and this is Shelf Esteem. And for the first podcast of 2023, I'm going to be joined once again by my daughter and partner in crime, who you'll probably be hearing from more often now that she's moved back to St. John's. Yay! Mom's happy about that. And as always, of course, we love discussing books. We have brought you another book swap episode this month uh, with one book that I'm sure you've been hearing a lot of buzz about, and another book that uh, is a few years older, not quite as current, but they both have some really interesting commonalities and things that we found to talk about. So with no further ado, I'm going to bring in my co-host, Emma Cole. The books that we're going to talk about today mm-hmm. are uh, Ducks, Two Years in the Oil Sands by Kate Beaton. And This One Summer by Mariko Tamaki and Jillian Tamaki. And what these books have in common is... They are both graphic novels. Graphic novels. And we've not discussed a graphic novel on the podcast before, at least not on one of our book swaps. And it's really because we don't think that graphic novels are real books. We don't think they can be considered... <laughs> actual literature. That's right. Come at us, graphic yeah. novel bros. Uh, no, it's, it's not that. It's that I don't read very many graphic novels, and it's not because I don't consider them real literature. I actually do. Uh, I really only read them when they're gifted to me. Mm-hmm. Usually. Yeah. By one specific person who always gives me graphic novels. <laughs> that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went out and bought ducks for myself mm-hmm. without anybody having to gift it to me or recommend it to me, and I'm going to talk a little bit later about why. But I do want to talk about why I don't read graphic novels much. And it is definitely not any sort of feeling that they are lesser. I think they are absolutely valid as as literature. Uh, Because I'm not a very visual person, Mm -hmm. I feel like I find it hard to process all the information that I'm getting in a graphic novel. Really? Yeah. I mean, I read a lot of prose fiction, so I'm used to processing a lot of information via text um, and making up pictures in my head. And I think when I'm presented with a graphic novel, novel, I'm trying to I'm trying to process the text and I'm trying to process the pictures. Mm. And I mean I love it and there are graphic novels, both of these, you know, spoiler, I think both of these are fantastic books. Mm-hmm. But there were definitely places in both of them where I had to go back and relook at a page and be like, I'm not sure what just happened. Like was that okay. was that picture supposed to give me information that I that I needed to know? Do you have the same problem with like Movies and television? No, because they're the pictures are moving. Okay. Um, I mean, I do. I have different problems with movies and television, like all the actors looking alike yeah, because I'm true. partially face blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I had that a little bit with graphic novels in that sometimes I look at is that the same character that they drew on the last page? Exactly. I had that problem. Well, I just, here's the thing. I don't know if it was a problem. I noticed that a lot with ducks. Mm-hmm. With me thinking. Is this a character I should recognize from one of the earlier kind of chapters? Yes, you know? yeah, yeah. And I found, but I'm gonna, I think that was intentional a little bit. Yeah. I mean, we did have the, like, sort of character maps at the beginning of each chapter, but kind of eventually the sameness and the repetitiveness of all these faces and specifically all these male faces that we yes. kept seeing was like very very overwhelming and hard to overlook when yeah. you read through the novel. But again, I think I do think that yeah, might, yeah, yeah. that was intentional. Yeah. Yeah. So before we get too far in with analysis of the books, uh, maybe we should each introduce each one of the books and okay. say sort of how we came to it. Sure. Um so this one summer is a book that someone gave me at some point, and then I read it a time after that. Mm-hmm. And then I thought, you should read it. Were you, like, maybe in high school when you read this? Maybe. I just checked. It came out in 2014. I don't think 
I read it as early as that mm -hmm. because this kind of has a certain reflection on like early teen years that I don't think even by 14 I would have been able to fully appreciate and I remember really appreciating that perspective on kind of very very early young adulthood kind of preteen early teen um, life. Meaning that you were old enough to have yes. some perspective and yeah. distance and look so back. So it was it. probably, yeah, like last year of high school, maybe, or mm -hmm. like first year of university. Um, yeah, so you, you suggested I should read it and said it was really, really good. Yeah. And I, again, I had that strange reluctance around, like, it looks like a great book, but a graphic novel seems to take more of my brain than just reading a regular novel does. Yeah, because I think I'm processing it on two tracks or something. See, I, I definitely find graphic novels, like, more easily digestible mm. than regular novels. And I think most people most think that. People I think do. I'm unusual in finding it harder to digest because I feel like I'm, like I said, I feel like I'm processing on two tracks. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, you read this one summer several years ago yeah. and recommended loved it to me. It, loved it, loved, loved it, loved it. Loved it, I never got around to reading it. And then I picked up Ducks and Ducks is one of the rare books that I bought in hardcover the day it came out. Wow. I had been waiting for it. Well, like most of, and I think some people who listen to this podcast know kind of my habits. Most of the books I read I read as e-books, either mm -hmm. borrowed from the library or bought, and I'll only buy a copy of a book generally if I know it's something I want yeah. to have a permanent, you know, because there's 800 books in the house, yeah. at least, because you least. may remember from the time we carried them all downstairs. Yes. Um, so, but Ducks, I mean, I, I, it was a graphic novel, so I knew I would want it in paper, and I was not going to wait for it to come in paperback. I wanted it as soon as it came out. Mm -hmm. And my, did you know who Kate Be Beaton no, was? No, no Okay, idea. but you, I bet you had seen her comics. I think so, yeah. I th and I think that's a really common thing with Kate Beaton. Um, mm -hmm. And with that, a lot of graphic novels. Yes, like, same yeah. with, um... Allie, what's her name, who did Hyperbole and a Half? Allie Brosh. Allie yes. Brosh, yes. yes. Yeah, a lot of people have seen either Hyperbole and a Half comics or the memes that have been made from yes, them. Yes, exactly. Who haven't. And I never thought about Hyperbole and a Half. That's a graphic novel. It is, well, yeah. Or a graphic memoir. I guess because yeah. it's more, like, comic-y. Yeah, You don't think of it so. as much as a novel. It's more like a collection of essays yeah. in comic in form. In comic yeah. form, yeah. Um, and also highly recommended. Also very um, good. But yeah, I had seen Kate Beaton's work for years, and I think like a lot of Atlantic Canadians, I knew that she was uh, from Nova Scotia, so she was kind of one of us. Mm -hmm. um, and she did; she had this very, very, very uh, widely shared webcomic called Hark a Vagrant, mm -hmm. which had a lot of very smart, witty, funny comics about history and literature, mostly. And it gets shared a lot, and like I said, a lot of people who don't think they know who Kate Beaton is have probably seen one of her comics. And then she kind of stopped doing that. And then I heard she was coming out with this very, very different project, which is really a memoir in graphic novel form about the two years she spent as a very young woman in her 20s um, working in the Alberta oil sands mm -hmm. and uh, just exploring kind of what that world was like. And I knew it was going to be fascinating and it was going to be very different from her web comics. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I bought it and I brought it home and I read it in like 24 hours. It was also a day when I wasn't very busy, so I yes. could just sit down and read a book in 24 hours. But yeah, I did not, uh, I, I didn't have, and I, yeah, I find her drawing style also very clean and easy to read, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, which helped me a lot, I think, with the visual processing yeah, aspect yeah. of it. Uh, so then as soon as I read this, I was like, Emma needs to read this. Yeah. And, um... And we need to do a book swap about yeah. it. Yeah. And I think your note about, like, how Kate Beaton's style is, like, very clean and very, like, minimal. I think This One Summer has a very, like, 
detailed way of drawing things. Yes, yeah, much is, more detailed. I think yeah. it's intentional because, well, not intentional, but like it's it's very fitting. Yes, because ducks is kind of about the monotony and the like blandness and sameness of these situations like mm-hmm. working out in the oil sands and this one summer is about like the weirdly specific details that resonate even if you don't know them yourself you know mm-hmm. what i mean so yeah. in a way they're both about relatability but they go about it in a different way yeah yeah mm-hmm. so what would you say if you were if you were giving a, a capsule summary of what this one summer is about yeah so this one summer is what it says on the tin it's like um, a recount of one summer. Um, it follows this uh, young girl who I don't know if it says exactly how old she is, like 12 or 13, yeah. that like very crucial stage between child and teenager. Yes. Yeah. Um, and especially like at that age where literally things change in a few months. Mm-hmm. So like when summers are a very transitionary phase um, and it's her going to this like uh, summer house or this cabin that her family has always gone to, but it's like re- experiencing these same things that she's done since she was a child, um, except she's getting older, like, in terms of having crushes on, like, the guy at the convenience store, or, like, starting to kind of not understand, but observe what her parents' fights are about, Mm -hmm. um, and like, not relating to this friend that she's had that she's only interacted with in the summers, and, like, thinking that she's more grown up and more mature, but is not very mature, um, and it's, like, Kind of in the same way A Tree Grows in Brooklyn is, like, about nothing and everything. Yeah. It's one of those, like, slices of life that even if nothing is technically... Like, even if nothing is one-to-one relatable to your life, it's that universal experience of growing up in, like, the most long, drawn-out and, like inexplicable way, which is, I think, why it being a graphic novel works so good. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes those scenes or those moments of of what becoming, like, a teenager is about can't really be expressed in words or in description. Like, you just have to see it to feel it and know Mm, it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the reason I thought these two would be really good as a book swap, other than them both being graphic novels, is they are both coming-of-age stories, but about a different point in coming-of-age. Yes, like, this one is early teen, teenager coming-of-age, and then Ducks is, like, young adult to, like, adults, maybe. Yeah, it's early. It's the exact stage of life that you're in right now. She's just graduated Mm -hmm. university, and she's getting her first job. Yeah, luckily, I've not gone out to the oil sands or Very to the Very happy about that. But that's, you know, even that's a thing that makes you, you know, you've kind of got to, when you read her situation, it makes you think a little bit about privilege, right? Yeah. Like, the reason you haven't had to look for what's the immediate best paying job. Is that I don't have any student loans. And the reason you don't have any student loans is that we were able to help you with your, with your, and so she comes from a family that is not as well off, mm-hmm. living in a very economically poor, you know, Cape Breton, which has pretty much the same profile as most of Newfoundland, yeah. chronically economically depressed, and young people going away to find well-paying work elsewhere yeah. is just part of the culture. And that idea of, like, not even wanting to be one of those people who moves away for work, but you have no other choice yeah. to, is, like, yeah. a very compelling, like, introduction to yeah. this character. And I think, yeah, even if you're like me and you are privileged enough to not have student loans that you're, like, really, really desperate to pay off, that idea of graduating and then 
not being able to find the jobs that you want mm-hmm. or being uncertain whether this is like really a future that's viable for yeah. you. What do I do with this what degree? What do I do yeah. with this degree is like there's still very universal anxieties yes. for people who yeah. graduate. It's like, extremely in any relatable. Yeah. And, and it's very much that, yeah, coming of age, figuring out who you are as an adult in the world where mm-hmm. you have been, you know, a kid and then a student up till then. But then she does it in this very, very specific and not very much written about mm-hmm. world of uh, the work, the, the oil sands work camps in Northern yeah, Alberta. Yeah, and you even get a sense of that in the book where they're talking about like journalists who want to interview them and her like publishing her webcomic and it's like, oh, there's someone on the inside telling us what it's really like. Yeah, like this yeah. idea of some kind of like there's this whole other secret world going on there that people don't talk about publicly very often. Yeah, and I mean, it's such a part of both our and where she comes from in in Cape Breton culture. I found it really interesting in the book how there was like all the Nova Scotians stick together, all the Newfoundlanders stick together, um, and, you know, obviously we're so similar and we're so geographically close, but there's still that sense of clannishness. and yeah, I thought that, that, yeah, it's very interesting how she really writes about a women, woman's experience in this very male-dominated world yeah. and has this very, I would say, critical and yet also compassionate eye on, on yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing there. is it's it's not outright, like, condemning, like, yeah. of, of the people who... Uh, have done her incredibly wrong when she's out there. Like, her more than anyone else speaks out on the behalf of these men who act horribly, saying, you know... Yes, they are being absolutely monstrous, but think about the conditions that we're living in. Yeah. And yeah. it's, yeah, it is a very, like, unexpectedly nuanced take yes, on, yeah. on this whole environment. Yeah, it's not just trashing the people that she worked with and no, along for two no, years. No, no, because yeah. it's like, these are both people who, spoiler alert for the book, sexually assaulted her, and also people who were very friendly and very kind to her. Yeah. And oftentimes, those people especially once you've seen all the faces that she has to draw, like, blur together literally and figuratively as yeah. you read the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I found that. And she she is really uh, insightful, I think, about how hard that life, the life in the camps of, you know, men being isolated from family and from social networks mm-hmm. and from partners and kids and, you know, how hard that is on people and the level of mental health issues and addictions issues and all the things that go along with it. Yeah. Know? Yeah, so it's 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 a coming of age story uh, of of young adulthood, but I think it is set against that very specific background that makes it so uh, uh, so interesting and so revelatory. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's look at this one summer first. For, yeah. we've talked about about ducks for a bit, and I want to get back to some comparisons between the two. Um, but as a book, uh, now you haven't reread this one summer. I have not. I'm yes. just flipping through it again, even though the, the thing is, it's mostly just vibes. <laughs> and I do enjoy books that are a lot of just vibes. And so I can flip through and be like, yes, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. Even though most of it, I think I could remember, yeah. but maybe not in the right order. Honestly. Maybe not. Yeah. I mean, there are specific incidents that happen and there is kind of a lightly dramatic climax. Uh, but a lot of it is just, you know, very atmospheric. Yes. Um, one, I, I, I was 
was reading, I always read the Goodreads reviews of books I read and then just shake my head at how dumb people yeah. are sometimes with some of the bad reviews. But I know, you know, there were several of this one was like, nothing happens in this book. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it's not like a, a heavily, densely plotted book, but that's the point is it's supposed to invoke like an atmosphere and a feeling mm-hmm. and the nostalgia of being this like 12, 13 years old. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, I think the two things that are kind of plot points in the book are one, um, her parents, like you said, she's becoming aware of her parents as people, not yes. just her parents, which I think you tend to do around that mm-hmm. 11, 12, 13 age. Her parent, her mother is very unhappy this summer, and it yeah. comes out over the course of the book that the reason she's unhappy is because she and the main characters, I think the main character's named Rose. Yes, she? Yeah. Rose. She and Rose's father had been trying for another baby, mm-hmm. and she lost the baby to a miscarriage. Yes. And she is still mourning and grieving that loss. And, and the dad kind of wants to move on a little bit yeah. more quickly than she's ready to. And yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, Rose doesn't really know that this happened, but she can see that something's wrong and she overhears them talking about things. Yeah. And Which I think is very realistic to how you experience your parents' struggles yeah. when you're that age. You know, yeah. you overhear things, you put the pieces together, but sometimes you, still, you put them together wrong. Yeah, you put them together wrong, you still might not have context for yeah. what any of that means, especially, like, at a young age where you're still just figuring out about, like, sex and sexuality or, like, childbirth even. Like, mm-hmm. even if you hear all these things, you don't necessarily know what they mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then the other thing that's a plot point is this crush that Rose has on Duncan, the older guy yeah. who looks like, what, 18, 19, like maybe? Like, 17. 17, maybe, um, who works at the convenience store. And there's a whole drama with him and his girlfriend. Yeah. And him getting the girlfriend pregnant and Mm -hmm. not taking responsibility for it. And there being... There's this... I, I really love the way she portrays the stratas of this, you know, sort of small town, uh, not even... Yeah, it's very, like, small beach town. Yeah, beach town and the summer people. Uh, the, the the division between the young kids, like mm-hmm. Rose and her friend Wendy, and then the teenagers, yeah. and how they're so fascinated by the world of the teenagers, and yes. they're watching them and learning from them, and evaluating and judging them. And the teenagers not even knowing that this they is... They don't I'm, even know that They're these... not even thinking about it, because the thing is, those teenagers have been through that stage, but when you're a late teenager, you're so absorbed with yourself and your own drama that you forget about yeah. everything else. So the fact that there's like an 11 and a 12 year old hanging around watching you and again doing that thing of piecing together the yeah. little clues of what's going on. And then like talking about it behind each other, like behind the teenagers' backs with language that they don't even really understand. Yes, like, yeah. like combining it with things they've seen on TV and then yeah. stuff they've... And it's really about like how do you form your worldview? Like yes. where do your opinions of the world and of people and of yourself come from at this yeah. very, very formative age? Yeah. Yeah, and there's a point where where Rose makes a couple of comments about all the teenage girls. They're all sluts. Exactly. And yeah. then, like, doesn't her mom overhear her? Yeah, and, yeah it's either then, her mom or Wendy's and mom. And then when she's asked to, like, explain what does that word even mean or, like, yeah. where did you hear that, she's, like, at a loss. Yeah. Because you're at that age where you're, like, it's it's the same thing as when you're, like, literally learning to speak for the first time. You're trying out words yeah. that yeah. you've heard before to kind of guess the context that you're supposed to use yes. them in. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. She, I mean, she is, she's, she's kind of slut-shaming these girls but without any context no, of what no. she's, she, she has no idea with. like the implications of yeah. that phrase at all it's just something she has heard and she knows that it's like insulting in a way and she feels jealousy for this like this guy that she has a crush on his girlfriend and yeah, it's, yeah. yeah she doesn't and she doesn't disapprove of his behavior no she disapproves of the girl's behavior which is like the most early example of like 
misogyny internalized within women. Internalized misogyny one on one. Yes. Yeah. When you when you, you yeah you look at another oh she's a slut because she's yes. you know yeah. yeah and and then I think the thing that is a bit of a dramatic climax at the end is that the girl. Jenny, who's pregnant, mm-hmm. uh, go is, is swimming off the beach at night, yeah. and almost drowns and is rescued. Yeah, uh, and it's a little. There's a little unclear of like, could she? Could could it have been a suicide attempt? Was she drunk? Was she just being stupid and yeah. unwise and, and careless? Um, and she is okay in the end. Yeah, but, but yeah. There, and there's also this interesting like adding to the confusion of where you get your ideas about the world. This like juxtaposition between Rose's mom who wanted to get pregnant and had a miscarriage and then Jenny who does not want to get pregnant and yet it happened so easily for her and it's like these very early mixed signals of like is who who should pregnancy happen to exactly you know? yes yeah. yeah who deserves to have who a baby who deserves to have a baby yeah. yeah yeah so i think there's a lot of that there's uh, you know it's it's such a really it does such a good job of what I think a lot of good young adult fiction does of portraying the world as the young adult character or child character yes. sees it and yet the reader sees that there's a lot more that they don't fully understand. Exactly. Yeah. Which is exactly what it's like to look back on your own memories from that time, right? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, like I never had this exact experience of going to like a summer cabin or something but I did go to summer camp in, yes, these, yeah. in these kinds of years and have the same thing of like you come back and your friends that you got along perfectly with when you were 10 and 11 mm-hmm. suddenly being 11 and 12 is like a huge insurmountable difference yes, like as you yeah. get older like the ways you like you can see it between oh, why, what's her friend's name Windy what, Windy yeah. yeah between Rose and Windy how clearly like in the past summers there wasn't this gap yeah they were, of, they were totally on the same maturity. level yeah. and yeah I remember that like yeah being 11, 12, 13 and like someone a grade younger mm-hmm. was like the even though as an adult you look at them and they're all children yes when you're learning and processing so much information like a year's difference in maturity feels like complete like in, yeah insurmountable And you get that tension with these two friends with, like, the way that they talk to each other, the things that they know, and Rose acting like she's more mature when really she doesn't even know anything that she's trying to, like, hold over Wendy's head. Um, Yeah, it was just such a good representation of that age in ways that are hard to describe. And I think you only... It can only be described in showing these scenes of yeah physically showing them like through pictures and through drawings um showing these different vignettes of what it how a friendship is made up of these little moments and how your relationship is defined by yeah these small interactions that stack up Mm -hmm. like it's a very good way of showing that specifically at this age which is so relatable to me yeah yeah Mm -hmm. there's a really neat little subplot there too with um Rose and Wendy, and this is where they keep seeing the the, the older guy in the mm-hmm. convenience store, uh, renting movies, because it's of yeah. the era of renting DVDs at a convenience store. Yeah. Um, renting horror movies. They get really into watching horror movies for a while, and they're renting these R-rated horror movies mm-hmm. that, you know, the grown-ups don't know they're watching, are clearly too old for them, and yeah. they're like, oh no, we're mature enough to watch this. Uh, and then towards, I think it's Wendy who's later mm-hmm. like, I, I don't want to watch any of these anymore. They're too yeah. scary. It's like, when you're that age, you're kind of trying to, like, outprove each other as to yes. like, who's yeah. more mature. And then, yeah, sometimes somebody just <laughs> has to say, Actually, I'm not. Yes, ready, yeah, you know. yeah. And I think yeah. that you know the whole thing with the horror movies is kind of uh, a metaphor almost for the whole thing with 
sex and sexuality yeah. that you know I feel you feel like you're old enough to understand this but in fact you yeah yeah you're, and you're, you're just like playing chicken with everyone around you and yourself yeah as yeah. to like how much do you want to prove that you're an adult when you know that you're not yes, you know? yeah mm-hmm. yeah so I think yeah that is that is really beautifully done in that and I would I would recommend this to mm-hmm. any anyone who likes graphic novels and anyone who might have been dubious and would like I'm not sure I like graphic yeah. novels I think it's a great yeah, one it's really, very good, really good. And, and again that like internalized misogyny comes oh. up with Rose getting so angry at her mother whenever yes. there's fights between her mom oh, and yeah, her and dad. Oh, yeah, her father gets up and leaves. Yes. He goes back to the city for, for like a week or something. Yeah, something and like she that. directs all her anger at her mother. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. Anything else we want to say about that one specifically before we... I don't know. I need to think about the internalized misogyny in this book a little more. But we can talk about ducks for now. Well, and it's interesting because I also want to talk about internalized misogyny in ducks. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, misogyny in general is everywhere in this book. Like, like young Kate is working in probably one of the most overtly misogynistic industries and workplaces you can yeah you know one of these work camps that is something like you know 95 percent male mm-hmm. she works in the tool crib so men just come up to her all day every yeah. day and ask and her come up tools. with excuses yeah. to, to come to, up and harass her yeah to to anywhere from flirtation to harassment yeah and, and especially when she's like doing uh when she's doing the the work living on the camp so yes there's nowhere to get away from yeah. it yeah yeah because she is literally in the middle of this huge complex surrounded by all these other guys yeah yeah yeah. um i knew going into this book that it was going that that it was going to include uh the fact that she had been sexually assaulted mm-hmm. um it's not although it's a graphic novel it's not graphic it's not in, graphic in fact i feel like if i hadn't known going in it would have been one of those things that i had to go back and read the scene a couple mm-hmm. of times to be sure what did actually happen here but yeah. it's kind of a date rape sort of situation yeah, so yeah. like she's hanging out with this guy or at a party or something yeah or at like a then, party that he's hosting or something yeah, like that yeah and uh yeah, it's and she's almost in shock afterwards. Yeah, because then she she's assaulted twice, mm-hmm. and the second they happen in very rapid succession. Yeah, almost because right. the first time she's assaulted, it puts her in like this complete like fugue state almost Uh and she's not like doing her job at work she's not talking to anyone and that leaves her kind of vulnerable unfortunately to the advances of another guy who takes advantage of her again Mm. and it's just like this absolute like yeah like double punch of yeah if something horrible happens to you like lightning does strike twice yes, in places yeah, like this exactly, unfortunately yeah. and uh, yeah I'd actually forgotten that it was twice because it's been a little while yeah. since I had read the book but yeah mm-hmm. it's kind of the like the one thing kind of piles on top of the other yeah um, but the the you know apart from the overt sexual assault which is horrible the casual and constant sexual harassment yes and what I thought was really interesting sorry you finished no that's okay because I, I, I bet you're going to say the same thing I was going to say but if not I want to hear what you're saying so anyway. what I found really interesting was the way the book ended and where they chose to end it yes which was after Kate and her sister have come back mm-hmm. and they're out on the town in like Halifax I yes, think yeah. um, with some friends who haven't worked out in Alberta mm-hmm. Um, and some guys, I think from yeah from, from the camps, from the yeah. camps, like basically catcall them and harass them and say like very like very rude things to them. Yeah, like he, the, this guy I think recognizes her and says, yes. you know, you're out of, out of such and such a place, and then makes a bunch of really sexist comments, really to sexist her, yeah. comments, and like yeah, just horrible things to say to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
and Kate and her sister just, like, kind of laugh it off. Yeah. And the guy walks away, and the friends are like, why did you let him talk to you like that? Yes. And yeah. it just kind of ends on this, like, look from, from Kate and her sister. Yeah. With, like, them knowing that they understand each other in a way that girls who haven't lived out there won't. And it's kind of... Even if they, they learn to kind of... Or relearn, I guess, how to shut down guys like that in a place where it doesn't immediately threaten their job security. Like, this experience has fundamentally changed them as people. Yes, even if it's yeah. only, like, two years, it's two very formative years. Absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, you living those formative years in a place like that has altered them in yeah. a way that is now, like... Now they're they're figuring out yeah. and they're finding out for the first time yeah. how much they've changed by going out there. Yeah, and that's I guess what I mean by internalized misogyny here. Yeah. It's like that they have learned to accept a level of treatment yeah, that in the just, real world they would never have. No, accepted. but for like survival purposes, exactly. essentially. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to learn to roll with it and that's horrific. Um, but yeah, then yeah, they come back and they're just like it's almost like when people go to war and they can't reintegrate into society you yeah, know like yeah. it's it's something that 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 changes your outlook on things for mm-hmm. a while yeah I, yeah i found i had this exact same reaction like, that's such a powerful place to end it yeah because like yeah it's very like there's a lot of other stuff at play in the book but mm-hmm. ending it there kind of makes you realize like what are they actually going to take away from this yes and yeah. it's not skills they learned on the job it's probably not even friends that they made there it's it's the trauma essentially exactly, is what they yeah, take away from yeah. it and the trauma responses yeah exactly um, and again, like you said, there is a lot more going on in the book. Mm-hmm. There's obviously, there's a lot of reflection on, you know, like we said, the culture of the oil sands, the work camps, and how destructive that is for everybody. Yeah. Um, and there, there's uh, some reflection on the environmental aspect yeah. of it, too. Yeah, and I think it's it's not too much over your head about the environmentalism mm-hmm. thing, because I think everyone knows that about, yeah. about uh, the oil sands already. Like that's... Yeah, although, it, you know, it, it does, I think, get underplayed. Do you know that when I was a kid, the oil sands were not called the oil sands? What were they called? They were called the tar sands. I remember growing up hearing on the news all about the Alberta tar sands and the tar Mm -hmm. sands project and everybody going out to work in the tar sands, which I had confused in my child mind with Tarzan. I thought it had something to do with Tarzan. Uh, It didn't. No. But there was a rebranding at some point where we're going to talk about the oil sands because that sounds... Because oil is the thing that you make money from. Yes. Yeah. And it sounds... Tar sounds dirty. Yeah. Uh, And so it draws attention. But now I feel like my generation... Associates yeah. oil with dirty. Well, right? exactly. The rebranding didn't work for very no, 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 long, no. but I think it did for people of a certain, maybe in between your and my yeah. generation. Uh, but the book is called Ducks, and I love that. Yes, talk I about why the that. book is called Ducks because. It took me a while to get it. Because, mm-hmm. first of all, when it was ducks, cheers on the oil sands, I really thought it was going to be more about the environmental impact. Because, yes, yeah. of course, people of my generation, you think of ducks covered in uh, oil. oil. Well, yes, That's like yeah. the image of environmental disaster is yes, ducks yeah. covered in oil. And then you get this sense of... Um, there's kind of like a juxtaposition... Not exposition, but there's this like re- there's like this recurring parallelism of dealing with the issue of the ducks that are on site that the oil is like harming, and they install these like alarms or sounds to try to scare the ducks away, mm-hmm. but like d- nothing actually, no progress is actually made. The solution is not fixed, mm-hmm. and then you get this 
Um, then you get Kate's story about being a woman who's experiencing harassment on the daily in this place that she doesn't even really want to be and is then like forever changed and marked by this experience in the oil sands and it's kind of like sitting ducks (laughs) as in being like ducks trying to live your life in an environment that is supposed to belong to you and then just trying to exist as a woman anywhere and being prey for all these guys and their filth literally and figuratively you know yeah it's such a a really layered metaphor and I think yeah the city being sitting ducks I've heard her talk in an interview about how uh, you know this one specific incident of so many ducks were found dead yeah and it drew all this media attention yeah and she was like it's not that the ducks are unimportant but we're getting no media attention towards what this lifestyle and what this work is doing to the human beings who are doing it, the women and the men who are perpetrating a lot of this abuse but are also victims of it in a way themselves and she also does layer in there, you know, again, it's not a huge piece or heavy-handed, but she does talk about the impact on the indigenous communities, yeah, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, another whole piece of it that this is all being Mm -hmm. done on, you know, land that that belonged to indigenous people. Yeah, and I think if you look through, you could probably find examples of men talking about women in the um, in the camps, the ducks and indigenous people with like similar kinds of disdain. Yes, essentially. yeah, like, dismissive. Yeah, very dismissive, very like othering, and yeah, um, very bigoted ways of, yeah. of and entitled ways of entitled talking ways, about yeah. anything that they see as like inferior or in the way. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's amazing to me that all that comes through, and yet, as I said, she still portrays so many of these men with such nuance and compassion. Yeah, you know? and you know, it takes the time to at the beginning of every chapter say you know where these guys are from what their yes, names are yeah. like introduce to humanize them, them. Yeah, yeah to humanize them even really. though like you said after you read I mean, it's a big thick book for big a graphic book, novel yeah. and they do all their faces do just so many guys in hard hats yes so, so many, many guys, faces and I'm like, blur all the after and the, the thing is that um, I kept waiting for one of the guys who had assaulted her to turn up again. Yes. Yeah. And I think, I mean, if this was done intentionally, very, very well done. And if not, still well done. Um, that, like, I kept waiting for one of the faces that turned up at the warehouse mm-hmm. or in the cafeteria or anywhere. I was like, one of these guys is going to be the guy that assaulted her. And then it finally was at one point. Mm-hmm. And his face was distinct enough that, like, you recognized it when that, the character that, did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and sort of, it was, I think both of these books in a way that only graphic novels can do in this way are so good at taking you along into the character's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like, not just their story, but, like, seeing everything through their eyes. Yes, It's, yeah. like, it, it's a very, very well-done form of storytelling. Yeah, it's so immersive. Right. Yeah. Yes, that's the word. Yeah. It's very immersive. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and it's interesting to me, as a, as a little adjunct, that on the career side, because she does, there's a point in the middle of it where she leaves the yeah. other side. She goes, gets a job out in B.C. Mm-hmm. working... At a museum. Yeah, so it's, like, a job in the arts where her history degree is actually mm-hmm. useful uh, but in the end it's it's just because she's not making enough money yeah, when she goes back they don't have enough hours to give her mm-hmm. so she tries to get other part time jobs she can't hold any of those jobs mm-hmm. and it's just a disaster Yeah, yeah. Uh, the thing that I think is kind of I, I mean there are no really happy endings in real life but I know Kate no. Beaton has had a lot of trauma and I believe her sister also passed yes. away so you know she hasn't had an idyllic life but career wise mm-hmm. she made a name for herself yes. and a career by drawing a web comic about history and literature, which is about, like, if you graduate with a history degree and think, what am I going to do with this? That's kind of the dream scenario that you can do something creative that relates to your interests and get, you know, earn a living and get a certain amount of fame from that. But that's not... 
from where she is at the point in this story, mm-hmm. that That's ending not. is completely. She can't imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I can't. She, she can't. There's not even. I guess she does. She is doing the drawing mm-hmm. when she's when she's there. But the idea that that might someday be the thing that she yes. can make a living from and write a best-selling yeah. book that's probably going to win a ton of awards. So many. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, another thing that kind of came up as one of the many recurring themes is talking about the old men who work in the oil sands. Yes. You know how there's like guys who have been out there forever mm-hmm. or are just like so so old and still trying to support their families yeah and they routinely talk about how there's guys like wandering around who don't know where they are they're completely unintelligible yeah like uh and then remember when uh someone that she knows brings in a resume for a buddy of his mm-hmm. and it's just like a few lines center spaced on a page that say like his name the town he's from i did this for 28 years i did this for two years i did this for two like fisherman yeah coal miner whatever yeah. and like that his whole resume, you yes, know? Yeah. And it's just, yeah, this idea that this place is trapping not just, like, young hopeful people, mm-hmm. but, like, old, desperate people as yes, well. Yeah, and she said, again, that's another thing that, that the Newfoundland and the and the Cape Breton story have in common, like, all these people who made their living in the fishery or in the mines in Cape Breton and then when those industries couldn't support them any longer, like, they still have a family to support, yeah. what are they going to do? They're going to go out to Alberta and be you know, probably status-wise much lower than the younger men who've got a trade. Yeah. They're just doing, like, the lowest of the laboring jobs, and yeah, it's 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 very, yeah. It's very it's soul-crushing from, yeah. like, every angle. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's good, like, there are some, I mean, there's a really wide indictment of the overall toxic masculinity of the place, the misogyny, but there's, there are some men who are genuinely kind to her yeah. and are not, you know, looking for anything in return, but are just, like, you know, almost fatherly or, or uncle-y avuncular. Ag- avuncular. <laughs> but again, like, the actions of other guys put you on edge for those exactly. characters. Exactly, yeah. Like, you can't trust... You can't trust them. Like, when are they going to turn on her, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's just this this feeling that I, I obviously only pales in comparison to what it's like to actually live there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, good on her for being able to portray it. Is that, yeah. that constant anxiety of, even if people are nice to me and trying to help me, what do they want from me, yes. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, again, uh, in both of these books, that, that toxic masculinity, that idea of of guys who feel, because you see it in, in Duncan in this one summer, mm-hmm. you know, already as a very young guy at 17 or so, who feels he has to assert masculinity by yeah. putting women down. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, you get, get the more developed form of that in, you know, guys who are probably five to ten years older than that who are out working in, in, in the places yeah, she's working in Ducks and see where, oh, this is where that leads. Yeah, because all it takes is that yeah, that initial misogyny as a teenager and then you put it in an environment that fosters that kind of behavior. Yeah. And that would, yeah, I think a point that she's very clear to make is that these are not just, like, bad apples. Like, this yeah. is anyone under the, even the men you love and trust yeah. under these circumstances could behave like this. Yeah. yeah. And it's not a few bad apples. It's a system. It's a system. It's a system yeah. that is encouraging and promoting this and doing nothing to, to stop mm-hmm. it. Nothing to support and the then, women or the men. And then what I find interesting about this one summer is that it also shows those inklings of misogyny, but there's no system at play here, no. right? It's like a completely unstructured 
like just period of time and yes, families, yeah. and yet you still see some of those inklings start to develop yeah, of, yeah. of sexism and and yeah, yeah, yeah. I think both of these are just such again like for coming of age novels at two different points in in coming of age, yeah. and worth saying two different Canadian coming of age yes, stories. Yeah, because um, I, I assume this one summer is like Ontario cottage country. I think presumably. so. Again, yeah. it's kind of like in anywhere, everywhere, which I know before we've said if it doesn't take a specific place, that's kind of a lost opportunity, but I think part of this is the, like, clearly they had somewhere in mind, Yes, yeah. but it's not so specific that you can't apply it to yeah, it has, wherever you grew it up. It has both the specificity, specificity yeah. and the universality. That's the thing. Yeah. They have, like, a specificity in mind, mm-hmm. but it's not so explicitly stated that it feels like it's about that place yeah. rather than that time. Yeah, that, 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 that summer. experience, that time of life. Yeah. yeah. And of course, you know, Ducks is incredibly specific to that experience yeah. of the oral sense, but also that's not the only place in the world that fosters those kind exactly. of attitudes and that kind of yeah. misogyny. Yeah. And that's, yeah, you see that when they go back on the streets of Halifax and the guy talks to them exactly the same as he would yeah. on the oral sense because he's gotten used to that's how he can talk to these he women. He can treat women that yeah. way. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Anything more to say, do you think, about either of these books? I mean... They're not. They're not as bummers as we've made them out. To no, be. I mean we've 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 talked about a lot of the, uh, and I think maybe if either ducks is probably more of a bummer ducks is in more the of sense a bummer. that it's it's dealing with some really really heavy stuff. Very heavy stuff. Whereas this one summer is often very funny. Yes, it's yeah. often funny in the way that like cringing at your own childhood is yes, funny, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, and I, I think part of what I found so relatable about it is, like, Rose is at that age where she very much doesn't want to be funny to people. Like, she doesn't want to be laughed at. Wants like, to be taken seriously. Wants to be yeah. taken seriously. And yet her friend, when he was, like, literally, like, a year younger, yeah. is still in that age of, like, look how silly I am. Look at me. Look at me. Yes. And that tension of, like, the kid look at me, look at me, and the pre-TV, like, don't look at me. Yeah. And how quickly that change happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, sometimes the the funny parts in this are like cringe funny, mm-hmm. um, but in a way that yeah, just maybe so nostalgic. It feels so seen. Yeah, you know. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think there. I mean, even though like I said, Ducks deals with much darker subjects and heavier material. Like Kate Beaton is still a very witty, witty. Oh yes, either, so very there definitely witty. Are funny and really incisive moments in yes, here for sure, uh, which I love as well. You know, mm-hmm. she's uh, she's just so great. I should say we are recording this. It's going to air a little later. We're recording this the day after we were supposed, supposed to see Kate to. Beaton live because she was coming here for Sparks Literary Festival on January twenty second, and it got canceled because we got a big old snowstorm. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that uh, when it's rescheduled, she is still going to come because. I would love to see her and hear her talk about this. Also, Jillian Tamaki was here a couple of years ago, oh, yeah. and we didn't. Get, I think it was a time when we both had something else on, yeah. and we couldn't get to see her. But yeah, I would love to see and hear either of these writers talk about their work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, one more thing we should oh. say about ducks what that about you them? pointed out to me that I didn't know. Oh yes, if you have okay, if you have your copy of Ducks in front of if you, if you have a hard, if you have the hardcover copy of it, and you haven't already, because some people do this yeah. all the time, I take don't. off the dust jacket, yes. and have a look at it because. Did you know there are some people who hate dust jackets? Yeah. And if they have a hardcover, they have to take the dust jacket off, and then they, they won't read it with a dust jacket? Um, I feel very ambivalent about dust jackets. One of the reasons I don't really like hardcovers, because I, I find I like the them because it's a built-in true. bookmark. Well, that's true. It is That's that. all I use it but for. But underneath the dust jacket, the dust jacket is a beautiful... The dust jacket. The dust jacket <laughs> is a, a, a very strong and evocative drawing by Kate Beaton, but then mm. underneath the dust jacket is what, Emma? It's a, it's a duck, mm-hmm. and... And on the spine, it is, you know, the title Ducks. 
Um, but it's in this like beautiful oil slick foil. Yeah, like an iridescent almost rainbow, but yeah, like the yeah, like of an, an oil, oil slick. slick. And it's very pretty. Yeah, it's very beautiful and it's very evocative. Oh, did we look at the back? There's no, nothing no, on the back. back. No, just the spine. Um, and that duck. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and this is a book that I would just so definitely Yeah, I just want to recommend people. it to everyone. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, fun, funny story from our family <laughs> that you've heard. Uh, we often in our extended family buy each other books and having bought my own copy of Ducks and read it and intending to pass it on to Emma I then bought a copy for my cousin for her for Christmas and it turned out on Christmas Day that she got to unwrap three copies of Ducks <laughs> because three different people in the family had given her the same book. Of course I went and exchanged it for something else. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah it re- I think it really speaks to how strongly this book resonates with people that people are yeah. like I, I want to read it and then I you got to read it yeah, yeah. got to got to pass it on to someone else mm-hmm. yeah it feels very timely even though it's about it's like set many many years ago many many years ago <laughs> yeah, like maybe 10 years ago, maybe 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> uh, it's not ancient history but uh, it's yeah it, it's it's of its time and place but it's also extremely i think relatable and and universal in some ways even yeah. though it is very specific yeah and very good yeah, both Ducks and That One Summer are very good at depicting what is, like, mundane to the characters. Um, just kind of that everyday mundaneness. Yes, yeah. That is both unique and relatable. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. and I think it does that so well. They are both slices of life, very different slices of life. Yeah. Uh, but so a well A lot rendered. of parallels. Yeah, yeah a lot of parallels. Uh, and, and really about both, I think, about learning what it is to become a woman in this society. Yeah. And to navigate all the... Um, all the pitfalls on the way there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much for discussing ducks and this one summer with me. Thank Emma. you for having me. Book swap. Book I swap. Didn't say it earlier. Book oh, swap. No. Okay, we said it now. We said it. Book swap. Book swap. <laughs> I really hope you enjoyed uh, the conversation that Emma and I had about This One Summer and Ducks. And uh, we highly recommend both these books. Ducks, of course, getting a lot of buzz right now. We mentioned there uh, that uh, Kate Beaton was supposed to have been here in St. John's for the Sparks Festival. And once that's rescheduled, hopefully she will be again. And, of course, we just learned uh, just this week that Kate Beaton's Ducks has also been chosen as one of this year's Canada Reads uh, books. And it's being defended by another of my favorite Canadians, Matea Roach, Jeopardy champ. So, wow, Matea defending Kate Beaton's book is going to be an amazing Canada Reads to listen to. Not a lot of uh, doubt about who I'll be rooting for in this Canada Reads, because I really think Ducks is a book that everyone should read. And I actually also think This One Summer by Jillian Tamaki is a book everyone should read. I think Emma and I would both agree on that. I want to talk to you a little bit about what's coming up in the months ahead for the podcast. I've been doing this podcast since 2017, somewhat interrupted by uh, pandemics and uh, times of lockdown when it wasn't a great idea to have guests in your house, but we've gotten back into doing over the last year some regular episodes. And apart from a few special episodes and the book swaps that Emma and I were doing, the format has always been pretty much the same. I bring in usually two guests, ask them a bunch of general questions about their reading life, their history with books, some favorites, some books that they feel strongly about one way or another. It's been a lot of fun. Someone pointed out to me a while back that 
the most interesting episodes to listen to, even though the variety of guests are really interesting on the regular podcast, in some ways the most interesting episodes to listen to are the book swaps that Emma and I do, where we really take a deep dive into two books and have a lengthy conversation about them. And I realize that I'm enjoying those a lot too. Partly it's because I love doing them with Emma, but at the same time, she's a young artist who's got her own projects on the go. And I don't want to, to tire down to having to do a book swap with her mom every single month for the podcast. Although she and I will We'll be back with another one later this year, and we do have some other great podcast plans that uh, that we'll be sharing with you a little later on. But what I thought would be really fun to do this year for 2023 was to continue the book swap model, but to do it with a few different people. So I'm going to be inviting a few other friends and fellow writers and other guests to do a book swap with me at different times throughout this year, where I'll read a book they recommend, they'll read a book I recommend, and we'll come on and discuss it. And I'm also going to open this up to um, people who might like to volunteer. So if you're a listener to this podcast and you have a book that you've been thinking, wow, I would really love to get someone else to read this book and just have a really good in-depth discussion about it. Well, as long as three things, you don't mind me being the person you give it to, you don't mind this discussion about it being recorded for the podcast, and you don't mind also reading a book that I recommend, then you would be a great book swap guest for this podcast. And I'm even going to open it up. I know I've always had a thing about doing the podcast in person uh, so that, uh, you know, I'm pretty much limited to people who are in my geographical area. But I think now for these book swaps, where it's going to be one-on-one conversations between me and one one other person quite in depth. I'm going to open it up to doing some uh, remote recordings by Zoom or whatever other method works out. So even if you are not living in my local area, but we could contact each other remotely and record a conversation, I'd be up for that too. So if you think that might be uh, something you might be interested in doing and being a part of the podcast, I'm really open to guest suggestions and book suggestions. You can go onto my website, same place that you go to look up the show notes where we list all the books we've talked about in every episode, which we did for this one too, trudymorgancole.com. Follow the shelf esteem link for show notes, but you'll notice also there on trudymorgancole.com, there's a contact me link that uh, you can use to send me an email, or if you follow my Facebook writer page, you can also send me a message through there. And if you think you might have a book to suggest swapping with me for my podcast, and you'd be willing to come on and talk to me about it, let me know. We'll see what we can do. I'd love for you to be a part of this podcast, as well as just listening to it maybe you'll get to participate in it and until then read a good book and build your shelf esteem